Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Cue the Vulture and fire up Clash of the Champions 35. You listen to them? Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olsen. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hey there, 83 Weeks fans. Make sure you're looking out for anything flying at you from the ceiling. And welcome to After 83 Weeks. Settle in because we are talking about the Clash of Champions 35 episode where Eric and Conrad broke down the whole pay-per-view. We got some good juicy behind-the-scenes dish and a whole lot more I'm going to talk about with my co-host, one of which runs this YouTube channel and the YouTube channel for, like, all your fave wrestlers. Hi, Steve Kaufman. Hello. There will be no dead air in... This version. Um, <laughs> there was there was some dead air in the YouTube version because I cut out the live ad read and people didn't know what was happening. There were 40 seconds of dead air in the Apple podcast oh, version wow. of 83 Weeks. <laughs> and uh, we are going to get to all the fun, positive stuff about the show, too, with our third panelist, Independent Wrestler and the Encyclopedia of Professional Wrestling. I thought that was just me, to be honest <laughs> with you. I'm like, what is wrong with this iTunes? Like, I almost had to re-download it again. I just fast-forwarded it. But I honestly thought it was just me. I almost <laughs> shut off my phone and turned it back I on. I was like, what's That's going on? So I can actually give a bit of insight to that on the technical side. When they do a watch-along, it's very important the time codes sync. Yeah. So if they do... So what they may do, and I think we've heard it with past versions of watch-alongs where Eric will kind of fall behind. Yeah. And it kind of... It may not... The time code may not actually sync. It's very important the time code syncs. So much so that if... It takes 40 seconds of silence between an ad read and when they they start up again. They could throw something in there, couldn't they? I feel like an engineer finds out after the fact. I don't know, like... All right, maybe insert a little music next time. Live chat, let us know what you think. We are, of course, broadcasting live right now. That's a new fun thing that we do. And we want you guys to all join us in the YouTube live chat so you can share your thoughts on the show and on the pay-per-views and on everything pro wrestling because, you know, we get off topic sometimes around here. And I want to give a little shout-out to uh, Glenn, Charlene, Billy, cute water bottle, cute name. You guys are all hanging out, so make sure you chime in. We will give you a little shout-out. And And uh, while you're at it, maybe hit that subscribe button, give us a little thumbs up, and leave a comment. Let us know what you think about the show if you weren't able to join us live. And on that note, so much to talk about. I like to cover the juicy current stuff first, because we now, nowadays, are getting a little bit of these tidbits from Eric on what his life in real time is about. It's not all about what went down with WCW in the 90s. Like, the fact that he's working with Jeff Jarrett now, and has grown a new appreciation for Jeff. I don't think that's a surprise. I think it's so crazy. I'm always thinking about that the other day where it's like you have the tech, the executive directors, which was the guy from that run, WCW, mm-hmm. ECW, now the guy that founded TNA. They're all kind of working together. I know maybe not Paul and Eric, but now Eric, the guy that ran WCW with the guy that began TNA. Like now, the, 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 just to me, when you look back and sit back at it, it like baffles me. And I think that's so like amazing of, of how it is now in WWE. 
it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And also involves, there's another guy out there right now who, who is obviously detrimental in a lot of companies. Conrad, big announcement on the 83 Weeks show that the Arn podcast is happening. And he sort of explains it as like, you know, Arn isn't overexposed. Eric's like, yeah, he's like the funniest guy ever. So we should all be looking forward to, you can join right now um, at the Arn show. Follow him for all the latest on when that is going to land. We're all looking forward to that. I'm very much looking forward to that. I I have not heard. I don't know if they've done test shows yet, but I've not. I've clearly not heard them. But I'm very curious to see. Would you tell us if you did? I wouldn't say it here. <laughs> well, I wouldn't bring okay, up. He would tell us, and then I would tell you guys. So it's totally. Cool. I wouldn't bring up the existence of a test show if I knew it existed. <laughs> like if I knew it existed, kind of a thing. But I do. I am very curious to hear and see what that show looks like for Arn. And he doesn't strike me as somebody who would get as goofy as Eric or definitely Tony would about like a blue chew ad. Yeah. So I'm very curious to see what the, the seri- where the seriousness kind of ends on an Arn Anderson podcast. And I think we all we're all kind of ready. Oh, happy birthday yes. <laughs> to Charlene in the live chat. We're all waiting for that drum roll. Happy birthday, Charlene. It is really cool that you are sharing your birthday with us and yes. spending it hanging out with us. So, uh, pressure's on, guys. Let's give Charlene a great birthday show. <laughs> Excuse me. Ken in the live chat says, Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett are cool with each other? I'm sure they have to be. That's probably a pretty good point. And you mentioned the Blue Chew ads and mm-hmm. how they get a little silly with this. It was a lot silly on this episode of the show. And they are actually asking for testimonials huh. for Blue Chew and the manscaping thing, everything that they give these live ads for. You can call 833-83-WEEKS and share your experiences. <laughs> uh, and then they coined 83 Weeks as, quote, the place to get laid. Agreed, gentlemen? Has it worked for me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been in a committed relationship for more than a year, so I... I... Will you be? Will either of you be calling in to share any experiences that you may have had with Blue Chew? Not under my real name. No. Manscape. No. I, I, I haven't They're gotten my... giggling like a couple of schoolgirls. People. Manscape is pretty. I haven't gotten my Manscape yet, so I don't. I don't have a testimonial. Yes, I will be calling. You will be calling. <laughs> you just be. You just be leaving a prank voicemail. No. Okay. A legit one. Hopefully, hopefully, I can, hopefully you can hear. You know. On the air. Well, one more juicy tidbit that was dropped. I My immediate reaction was, I can't wait to ask the guys if they think this is a thing, too, or if I'm making too huge of a deal out of it, because that happens every once in a while. So Eric was talking about Sting not talking as a character and how great that was, the mystery. And he mentioned that that could be done in 2019. He talks about how to create a character who doesn't talk, that it gets the audience asking questions. And it just seemed to me like his gears were spinning on something that's already in motion. Like, it seemed like he was not saying that he is currently planning a silent character for SmackDown, and I think that that would have to be Lars Sullivan, obviously. (laughs) How else are they going to get started with him? That would be a genius way to do it if he's not saying anything. Am I reading too much into this, guys? Yes. But we're kind of seeing it a little bit with Bray Wyatt, if anything. Especially with Bray Wyatt, who we're not seeing every single week. We see maybe little vignettes or little clips. And I think it's perfect for somebody like Bray Wyatt because less is more in in terms of, you know, The Fiend and the Firefly Funhouse, you know, for for the most part. To answer your question, I think you are until you aren't. You are until five weeks from now, Lars Sullivan turns out as a silent (laughs) character. And you're like, I'm right. And we can call that the dirt sheet effect. 
You that did, is the reason why I wanted to say it on the air, just in case. You, you like to tout, just tout everything, like say anything you think might happen, and then tout when you're right. Right. And just dismiss every time you're wrong. I'm, I'm all about the I told you so. And uh, as is maybe Conrad or Eric Bischoff, Conrad actually admitted on this episode that Sting was not in shape, that he didn't <laughs> look in shape during this pay-per-view. Of course, there was the whole thing a while ago about you can't be the man if you don't have a tan. Eric talking about Sting showing up pale and out of shape shape. Conrad admitted it this time. That's a pretty big deal. Do they have to stop selling the shirts now? <laughs> They're never going to stop selling no. the shirts. <laughs> well, on that note, let's jump into the pay-per-view. We always take a moment and watch it back. I had a heck of a time finding this on <sighs> the WWE Network. It's not under pay-per-views. I think it's under like special it's events under... or in-ring stuff. Just well, if, if you do in-ring and then WCW, it's pay-per-views, Thunder, Nitro, and then Clash of Champions, like special events. It's so funny because I got kind of annoyed as Conrad was explaining it. I'm like fast forwarding through. I'm like, let's just get to it. But then I really couldn't find it. So thank you for that guidance. Also, note note to the WWE Network: if you type, if you search Clash of the Champions in the WWE Network, you should be able to find Clash of the Champions. Yeah. It's kind of also as somebody who spends a lot of time on the WWE Network for a variety of reasons. (laughs) If you ever see a match title that is something like Jeff Jarrett defends the U.S. title, it's Chris Benoit. It's always Chris Benoit. (laughs) If they go, if if the title goes out of their way to not mention a wrestler, you know who that wrestler is. It's the wrestler they don't mention. Right. It's easy peasy. Easy peasy. And uh, speaking of controversial, I think we have a pretty hardcore debate tonight piggybacking <laughs> off of the 83 weeks show. That's right, people. We are going to talk Tootsie Pop or Blow Pop. Gentlemen... This is very serious, very important, according to Conrad and Eric and Shivani, right? All the guys, they're in. What is the deal with this blow pop to um, thing? I don't know. This seems very personal to Conrad. <laughs> and I think Eric kind of, because Eric didn't say he liked Tootsie Pops. He said he liked Tootsie Rolls. Right, that's right. So he never actually weighed in on his, his um, lollipop preference. I'd go with the blow pop Me just because, like, when I hear Tootsie Pop, I think of Tootsie Rolls, and Tootsie Rolls are some of the most disgusting things in the entire world. And Tootsie I dis- Pops are probably not that great either, so I'm going to go with blow pops. I disagree with you there. I, I do think a uh, Tootsie Pop is a weird mixture of sweet and then the kind, not savory, but the more or less salty sweet that is chocolate, whereas a blow pop is the kind of sweet that you would get from a, a lollipop. And then bubblegum, which is also the same kind of sweet. I, it's just all part of my evil little plan to make you guys talk about Tootsie Pops and Blow Pops and manicures last week. You know, I'm pretty much just girlying up this show. And the chat roll, well, they don't <laughs> seem to mind. MN said, fellas, this one is easy. It's Blow Pop. Billy said, Blow Pop Cherry. Oh, I do like the cherry one. I think that's my fave. Watermelon would be second. Uh, Joseph Moses said, when Conrad does this watch along, they are hilarious, especially with Tony. Thank you for bringing us back to the reason why we are all here, Joseph Boza. Let's talk a little bit about the trash being thrown into the ring. Eric says he embraced it at first. It got a little dangerous. George, you're someone who works in the ring. Can you talk a little bit about how scary that may be? 
I honestly, I would love it. I guess. I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> really? I, because I don't because you you think of I think of two moments. I think of Bachelor of the Beach '96, uh, and I think of Lockdown. I want to see 2014 when Bully Ray turned heel, mm. and it was just such a cool visual. I guess maybe on the indie level, mm-hmm. maybe not so much, just because I'm all about the visual. You want people to kind of capture like how much people hate you. But I think I think on a bigger stage, I think it's not a bad thing. I mean, obviously, there's a big danger factor nowadays with you know people throwing drinks and batteries and whatnot. You can really hurt somebody. Yeah. But if it's like not something that will will hurt somebody mm-hmm. i'm okay with it okay. like if somebody throws like a big like it, 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 we saw it on tv i forgot what event it was um like a full cup of beer at me mm-hmm. like i mean I, i'm for it you know i, I think it's I, a good visual i actually think george I, will do anything to get some heat i actually think eric bischoff has two hats and we've always heard both yeah and you know which one he wears first there's a wrestling promoter which he was arguably yeah and a tv executive and we all know he was a TV executive first. Mm-hmm. So if you were to ask Paul Heyman the exact same question, he'd say, "Let's hire extra security. Let's make sure. Let's make sure the show is delayed an hour because they filled the ring with such trash because the guy got so much heat. That's so good because he's a wrestling <laughs> promoter and a creative first. He's not a TV executive first. Eric Bischoff, the dollars and cents guy, is like, we don't. We only have the building for so long. We don't want to lose the crowd by shutting everything down to clean up the ring, yeah. especially in a situation where like Lex Luger literally walks out and may never come back." Like, I see both sides of this. Yeah. Well, uh, Charlene wants to know why George is, George is dressed so fancy. Oh, well, George is dressed fancy, I George. So. I, mean, I guess it took you a while for everybody to notice. Maybe he's, he's not as fancy as I thought it was. Uh, no, it's Wednesday. I think George is testing out a new show here at AfterBuzz that you all will be seeing very soon. Stay tuned. Uh, also, Eric in the or someone in the chat was wondering where Eric is. Uh, David, I believe it was, and of course, Eric usually does Skype in and join us for a little Q and A session to follow up and answer your questions on the show. The last few weeks, he has been very, very busy with SmackDown Live. Uh, we're hoping to secure him again sometime in the future. He won't be on this week, but we are getting some other guests that'll be calling in and answering your questions. So please stay tuned and continue to argue with us about all these very important (laughs) topics. I do want to get the live roles thoughts and live chat role and all your guys' thoughts on Mongo. Eric said it was a mistake to put him in the ring and then actually ended up diminishing the potential that he had as a commentator. As guys who were really watching back then, do you agree with that? I mean, I thought he sucked as a commentator to begin with. So that that didn't really really affect my my way of of you know him as a commentator, I don't think he was that bad as a wrestler in the role that he was in. Now maybe he shouldn't be mixing it up with guys like Eddie Guerrero, Jericho, maybe even Jarrett. Um, obviously that he needed a lot of caring, but I thought for his role as maybe like the big guy of the horseman, I thought he was perfectly fine. Um, I far think- from the worst horseman. We, I'll send you the link to that video. <laughs> we, we've already covered that, but I will say, um, I don't. I. I thought he was okay as a commentator in the sense that sometimes, especially a three-man commentary booth, becomes more like a morning zoo Mm -hmm. while wrestling matches happen. Yeah. And I think he fit that aesthetic very nicely, which it's just not my taste. I'd prefer to watch the match on mute before I, like, watch that. But he fits that aesthetic nicely. He's a very pleasant on-screen character. I wish, and I think they learned a lot, like, whenever Jerry Lawler would have stepped in the ring before that time, he stepped in the ring and... We, he doesn't do that anymore. Right. Um, they always made a point that there was a reason Jerry Lawler stepped into the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, Dolph Ziggler antagonized him so much that he's going to step in the ring. Michael Cole antagonized him so much he's going to step in the ring. The Miz straight up called him out, making, looking, making him look feckless like he wouldn't get in the ring. Like, mm-hmm. I think if they had put McMichael in those positions, whether or not he could actually perform Bell to Bell wouldn't have mattered because we would have cared. Like, oh, man, Mongo's going to get in there. Right. 
No, I mean, I I love when the uh, commentators, announcers, anybody gets involved in the action. Of course, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Let's check in with the chat roll. Ken said Steve McMichael should stay away from the ring, but he was okay as a commentator. So not everybody agrees with you, George. (laughs) Uh, what I really want to know is when you guys were super young back in the day watching WCW and you saw these power plant promos hmm. that Eric now admits were a little cartoonish, did those make you want to train to be a wrestler? Absolutely. Absolutely, but I was 13. I didn't know. How, I, didn't know. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of disagree with Eric. Oh, only one of you has followed through with that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know how it worked, and then correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like they just kind of showed the commercial and showed the number. Me not knowing that it was only maybe in Atlanta, I thought there were power plants all over the country. Yeah. Like, call this number and find out where you can train, and I don't know. Just So at the time, I was like, oh, cool, I can't wait to turn 18 so I can start training. And I'm like, oh, when I turned 18, they were already out of business. <laughs> well, I think that this created kind of an idea that anyone could just go call up, go in there and train. This is something that has remained a thought to this day. There are a lot of people who think that you can just go to the WWE Performance Center and train if you would want to or if you pay enough money or if you just show up there that they will invite you in and say, yes, we will train you here at the WWE Performance Center. That's not how it works. In a five-day work week, how many times does that happen? I mean, people show up and people call. I think there's a lot more phone okay. calls, actually, than anything else. But, yeah, even I think we've heard some wrestler or somebody, maybe even Eric himself, someone implied on this show that, like, oh, well, if you want to be a wrestler, you go down to the WWE Performance <laughs> Center. And um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would love to do that. But, unfortunately, it's just not quite uh, like that these days. Although, if you're a Division One athlete, if you're a Division One athlete who's looking at your career opportunities, your agent... They, your pro- agent should make a call. You're, yeah, they will not ignore your agent's call. <laughs> no. like, you can get a tour. You can come down to the facility. They'll probably let you train. They'll probably let you do a seminar. Like a seminar. Like I'm. That's what that. It's designed specifically for Division One athletes to come through. Right. If only. If only to. If only to say Division One athletes have come through. Like even even if none of them wind up signing or doing anything, it's like no no. But this guy came through and that guy came through. Oh yeah. And like you get to come through. There's so many of them <laughs> down there right now. <laughs> well, one guy who I'm guessing never trained at the power plant would be Ultimo Dragon. That's yes? correct. Yeah. Yes, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a pretty safe bet. He was going by the last student of Bruce Lee at this time. Mm-hmm. Something that Eric said probably didn't really resonate with fans. You guys are in that exact demographic. Did you know what that meant? I knew what that meant, and I thought that was I thought that was cool. Oh, you did? Okay, so it did resonate. But I was a little confused because I remember back in the day they were they were going back and forth ultimate and ultimo. Yeah. Like, and I was kind of before I kind of knew what was going on in Japan and Mexico, so it was like, oh, is it? Well, it's ultimo. That's like when they had great Sasuke, but they call him Sasuke, which is the (laughs) correct pronunciation. Wait, so tell everybody listening out there who maybe doesn't know, was it legal stuff with a promotion he'd been with before, or why the bounce back and forth? I don't think it was legal. I just think it was just WCW not really knowing. I think it was like they heard Ultimo, so maybe they misunderstood and said, thought Ultimate. Because, yeah. like, oh, well, he's, uh, why would his name be in Spanish? You know, mm-hmm. it just I, I just think it was a little bit of confusing when they finally settled on, no, Mike Tanay being there helped a lot. Where, no, it's Ultimo Dragon, you know, consider the last student of Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's straight up. I also think, uh, to your point, he probably trained other people right. at, the, at the power plant if they could afford him, which who knows if they were. Yeah, I'm also curious to see who actually came through and helped the power plant versus... I think for the power plant, I think it was more so like Buddy Lee Parker. Yeah. Uh, maybe Paul Orndorff, I think, was a trainer there. But I think it were people who were full-time trainers at the power plant. Like, I don't think I don't think the integration was such that people were coming through every week, every month to right. really actually help. Like, I think right. it was more or less 
train the guys, send us a check. Hopefully, hopefully Goldberg happens. And to our awesome production people in the booth, something just sort of changed with our sounds. We just want to make sure mm. that everything is cool. Yeah, turn off your microphone, Ryan. <laughs> we know you don't have anything to say it about 83 off. weeks. It was off. <laughs> <laughs> and also, thank you for the great work that you put in every week. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> Y'all just got a behind-the-scenes look here. They absolutely did. Let's check in with our chat roll a little bit. Oh, they are in a rousing conversation about how hot Kimberly Page is <laughs> and Miss Elizabeth. Wow, I could get in on that, but I should probably just keep talking. So, very, another controversial topic, dives. I love when they really get into kind of the nitty-gritty of actual wrestling, when, like, I can learn something a little bit. Eric uh, talked about how dives are under fire right now, sort of for the believability factor. That's understandable. How is a big group of guys going to just stand there next to the ring while someone climbs to the top rope and makes it very obvious, waits for a crowd to cheer usually before diving into them? I mean, okay, we'll we'll give everybody all that. They are the tradition, though, in Lucha Libre, and, I mean, something that continues to happen I regardless. Think, I, think, I think one of the reasons why, I don't know when they taped this episode, but I think one of the reasons why, and you know, do you know what, what clip they're referring to with um, Marco Stunt? I think I, I think they're referring to the time, and it was literally like three or four years ago when Randy Orton talked a bunch of trash uh, about indie wrestlers. No, I, I, there was a clip over the weekend, and actually X Pac got into it, where there was Marco Sun, a, a guy who's an AEW now. He was on top of a basketball rim, climbing the basketball rim, and he was jumping on a couple of guys on the outside, and the guys were just kind of waiting there. Like, yeah. and X Pac was like, "So why don't they just move?" And it was kind of this back and forth on like this thing, and I think that's why it was brought up. And okay, I think because Conrad said dives are kind of a hot topic today, but I don't. I, I think that's why they brought it up because like, why does the guy just move? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, but it's about finding the right timing for the dive too. You know, or it's what? like you're not just going to stand there while the guy climbs a basketball rim. Oh, cool! I guess he's going to jump now. Let me catch him. Just move. <laughs> But it's also about... Maybe he's just going to stay up there and shake his booty like Normandy and Saweetie do in their music videos in 2019. Just say it. But See. it's also a faith thing and a blocking and planning thing. Mm-hmm. That if, let's say that, let's say Marco Stunt was climbing to moonsault on two guys, or is it two guys it's that like were his opponents? But it was three guys and they were all his opponents, yeah. or was it a multi-person... His opponent. But it was a multi-person match where they, those three guys were all against each other. Maybe. Then I think it needs to become a matter of faith in those three guys on the floor to... Oh man, he's taking too long. Let's do something out here. But they didn't. That's the thing. That's I think, the thing. Like, I they think stood there waiting for anything, the spot. And and the, I'm sorry. I, I think. I think. If anything, X Pac was kind of going more so on the guys that was supposed to catch him. Mm-hmm. Like you, you look stupid just for standing there. Yeah. When and I think it's a matter of I don't want to say just faith, but also chemistry and like chemistry and trust. That if I, if there are three guys and the spot is he's going to jump off a basketball rim and we're going to catch him, that's the stunt. Mm-hmm. The way we get to the stunt, believably, would be if we're all ready for the stunt and he's still not in place to jump, we need to start fighting again. Yeah. We need to go over here. We need to, If he winds up standing there looking like an idiot for three minutes while we come back for him to hit us, that's, that's fine. That's like, more believable. That's more believable, especially in this culture where people don't see the whole match. People don't see the whole spot. They see the gif of the spot. Mm-hmm. And if you can have the gif where it's like, oh, man, they're standing there for, like, 90 seconds for doing nothing. Like, that hurts a lot more than the believability of, like, no, no, they fought, fought around the arena and Marco Stunt was up there for three minutes waiting. Yeah. <laughs> waiting for the spot that they had planned. Which could be easily covered with camera angles. Exactly. Too. Like, and then if you release a DVD, you cut that out. So, see, there is a place for the dive in 2019. 
it's just maybe out of we'll, a basketball rim. Maybe we'll be seeing one in George's upcoming match. I do do a wicked dive. Dude. I do a wicked dive. I believe it. <laughs> Can't wait you guys to see it. Well, we didn't get a whole lot of actual commentary on the actual matches that were actually going down while they were doing this watch-along. Uh, just a little bit about the Jericho and Guerrero match. That was sort of what Eric and Conrad decided was the best match on the on the card, was the best match of the night. Mm-hmm. Agreed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think there was something that Eric said, and and, and I'm so grateful um, that he said this. I mean, maybe grateful is the wrong word, but it is grateful because like he, this is where he's so different than Bruce. Is that like Eric was asked by Conrad, "Do you think you know?" And maybe so and so, like Eddie Guerrero, would have been world champion. He would have. He just flat out said no. Like he just yeah, said, like was... in the landscape of how everything was, like I don't think you know we would have been smarter. And I, and he's not saying he's right or wrong, but he's like as opposed to like Bruce is like, oh, of course I saw it the whole time. Like I knew he was hard the whole time, but it's like he was very honest. Bischoff was where he just said, I don't think he would have been like world champion as much as I hate saying it. I don't think he would have been. Also, I think Eric gave us a pretty clear view into his idea of wrestling booking, which once again he delegated a lot of booking. Yeah. So in his idea, there are only ever two reasons for someone to be world champion. You're either going to build the business around them. Or you're going to build a business around the person they took it off of, essentially. And especially like when he said about Benoit, because obviously Benoit and Guerrero kind of had the same trajectory, where he's like, he most sort of got the title because like they kind of wanted him to stay. Not because he was actually good enough to be the champion. They were like, I hope he stays. Let's give him the world championship, you know? <laughs> so, again... Bischoff, like him being honest here, I think goes a long way on why these shows are so great. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about this main event. They didn't explain this. Was this a storyline thing? What happened with Randy being in instead of Kevin Nash? What is the backstory well, it was, there? It was, a, it was always supposed to be Randy and and, Ke- and Scott Hall. Yeah. That was the actual match announced. It just because there was like, oh, we have the belts. I will let you have that. I mean, it's just WCW. I will <laughs> let you, you know, defend the championship. But it was always because there was always the, the, the program with DDP and Savage. Mm-hmm. So that was there. Yeah. Uh, there was always like kind of Luger and Hall kind of had a beef too. Mm-hmm. So it just, it wasn't so much replacing one or the other. It just, it just was a special attraction tag team match for the Clash of the Champions. Well, there was reportedly some beef, too, between Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall, but it was odd that Eric had never heard of it. I never heard of it either. Reportedly stems back to their WWF days when Kurt got Scott Hall into the WWF, and then Scott became a huge star and made a fuss when he had to job to Kurt Hennig, is the story that was told. But EB, EB that's why I put him in my yeah. notes. Uh, Eric said he wasn't aware of that. Do you guys remember ever seeing or hearing about anything that could imply that those two had some issues? I never knew that. I never knew that either, but also the story as described didn't sound like major nuclear never going to work together again heat. So much as, so much as like last time we spoke, we had some issues that we never (laughs) spoke of at all. Yeah. And that, that, that feels to be like 60% of the time you hear this guy has heat with that guy. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, so they haven't spoken since a thing happened. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, there is uh, one more performer to talk about in this, uh, well, post-main event, I guess we should say, the vulture. (sighs) Or the buzzard. A lot of talk about... Oh, I'm sorry. Should we call it the buzzard? Well, Tony Schiavone called it they, the buzzard yeah. once, but then they, they said vulture multiple times in this actual episode. Yeah. So SEO-wise, I have actually had to choose vulture. Because they say vulture multiple times, and they only say buzzard once. But Eric probably told the commentators to refer to it as a buzzard, if that's what they, they were doing They didn't say anything on commentary. Day, right? They didn't say anything on commentary. Oh, I didn't notice that. Wait, did Tony, Tony Schiavone didn't, didn't say buzzard They didn't in... say a single word on commentary after that happened. Because it was the promo, because it was the promo, hey, it's our one-year anniversary, you know, we're celebrating, blah, 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 and then show Sting, uh, I'll get to that in a second, and then, but yeah, there was no more commentary after that happened, so the, the commentary didn't even say anything at all. Mm-hmm. 
Then where did we get Buzzard? Did they, Johnny... they were saying, I think they were just kind of the dirt sheets and like oh, the okay. recap and everything. Oh, every, like Dave Meltzer said Buzzard yeah, after yeah. the fact, when it was actually a vulture. That makes sense. Vulture is such a scarier word. I agree. I mean, just the imagery you get from the two different words is kind of a big deal. But having this vulture there was a big deal. They did a rehearsal uh, earlier in the day. And the whole idea was that he was going to be perched up on Sting's shoulder and then fly down with a note that Eric was going to grasp that said he wanted Hogan's the soul. Hogan's soul, yes. Didn't quite go off as planned, and the guys didn't handle it well. I mean, Eric admitted that. But the guys who were in the ring when this went off the way it was not supposed to, I mean, you could see laughter. Well, also when you get... I I worry that those guys wouldn't have reacted well either way. Like, if you get that many NWO guys in the ring, it just becomes this party. <laughs> like it just beca- that is true. That is true. It, that even if the vulture had done the had done the the move, the stunt as you would have exp- as it was planned. Yeah, I don't like the look on all of their faces. Should have been what we have to get Hogan's soul, huh? And I don't, I don't think that could have been conveyed to that many guys, that many personalities in the time frame that they were doing this show. I think they were more worried about getting the vulture to do the to do the spot. So, yes, this was a lofty goal, absolutely. Uh, and when I watched it back, I, like, paused and did all this stuff, and I thought you could see some kind of, like, a white piece of something kind of falling from near the bird. But it looks like, if you really rewind and you really have a lot of time on your hands, people, to go back and watch that closely, <laughs> it looks like that is something that was actually thrown possibly from up above that almost hit the bird. That's where I draw the line at throwing stuff in the ring, people. You're going to hit a poor, innocent animal. Uh, guys, there was a lot of juice squeezed on this. What are your thoughts? I, I, I was not Are you ha- playing a statue in your fancy clothes? <laughs> okay, okay, so. But I, I was not happy with the coverage of how they talked about it because they, they made it seem like it was very negative. Oh, this this segment was just a cluster, you know what? Like, what, what went wrong? Honestly, I love this segment from, from beginning to end. I absolutely loved it. The, the the voiceover with the kid to me like that was there was so much symbolism with that and like you had Sting who hasn't been talking for like about a year. Mm-hmm. I think at this point it's been like eleven months. And you have this voice which was the voice of Sting like and obviously not his voice but the, in the kid like kind of setting like the war and like really because uh, you know being WCW like really setting the the the, the you know. I don't even can't even talk. Yeah, I'm, yeah. So, I'm no, so excited. No, yeah. I'm so excited because like it's just it's just like here it is setting you know declaring war on NWO like and just you know the end of it. This is Sting. The lights go off. The vulture in the ring and it's just like I I, I thought everybody was kind of like oh my god like what's this happening like I don't know I loved it and I I don't I don't I, maybe I'm the only one because apparently the, uh, Eric and Conrad didn't like it. I loved it. I feel like you're coming at it from the moment. I feel like at the moment this was probably more impactful. I still look than... back and it was like it was amazing. Like even without knowing about the note, yeah. I never knew about the note until no, no, I heard I'm not even, I'm it. And not, I still loved it. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the overall arc from here to the Sting, to Sting at Star, to Sting Hogan Starcade, to the overall story arc of Sting as the guy, never really happened here mm-hmm. the way we expected it, the way we thought it would. Mm-hmm. So I think people looking back on it see it more as the time they tried to make Sting exactly what they wanted, and it didn't work for a variety of reasons that is one of the most top-viewed clips here. As to why, I, or, I, not, I, why I did, or why not it I didn't did, work. I, I disagree. Just because we had this segment, whether or not it failed, I mean, that's on them. I, I still loved it. We still got Sting and Hogan, which did huge box office. It's not like it's not like it was a bump in the road. There yeah. was still big business that was mm. made no matter what happened this night. I just don't, I don't know how they just automatically thought it was a failure. I loved it. I was excited. I was like, this is awesome. Finally, even though we didn't hear Sting's voice, we heard the words of Sting. 
And to me, that was a big deal when it came down to the, the Clash of the Champions ending. Yeah. I actually have an apt comparison here for my point. Do you remember the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? And then do you remember the sequel? The sequel was also very good. It was as good as the first one. Do you remember the like the piece of turd that was the third Tobey Maguire the, Spider-Man? I, I liked the third one. I thought it was absolute trash to the point that I can't enjoy the second one. And I think mm-hmm. that's how a lot of people look at this Sting uh, vulture business. So you thought it was trash back then? No, I'm saying if you look... No, I thought it was very impactful at the moment to what we were building toward. Mm-hmm. But once we got what we were building toward, we look back with a sour taste. You mean of, like the, the execution of the Sting and Hogan match? Yes, okay, the Sting okay. and Hogan ma- match and also the, the kind of holding pattern Sting wound up in for like a year after the Sting Hogan match. That you look back on all of that as one thing, similar to the Spider-Man trilogy, and you're like, man, that first one was like watching a live comic book. And that see, second one was great. Mean. And then that third one, he was emo and <laughs> Venom was there, but they never called him Venom. And it was real lame. And I kind of can't watch the second one because of the third one. Is how I don't know. Brilliant but lazy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I, 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 I see your point, but I I still no matter what happened with that, no matter now knowing about the the failed note delivery. Yeah, I I still think this segment was awesome. Just the voice, the voice itself. Like I don't know. I want to know whose kid that was. That's what those were the questions that I was expecting. I've been waiting for this episode since the beginning of eighty three <laughs> weeks. I was whose kid that is. How did he get involved? Like those are the questions that Conrad asks. Tell me though, those aren't the questions that you usually ask. You're you not wrong. Ask I think, I think He's watch too busy along. focusing on the negative part. Also, a watch along. I don't want to say stymies, but it it's hard. Quarantines exactly how long you can talk about one thing. Yeah. Before it's not on the screen anymore. Mm-hmm. Also, Eric didn't seem to have a whole lot of information. He had mentioned a couple times he was just watching this fresh and the, this kind of a reaction episode versus what he normally does and what he'll do next week and the next couple weeks is really do the research of what was going through, but. I can text him if you'd like me to. Yeah, <laughs> whose kid that was? Who's How did he get involved? Was. Okay. I mean, was it a one take shot? Like, was it maybe was it Sting's kid? Like, who wrote it? I want to know who wrote it. He's I not going to know that. I we thought, know he's not going to know that. I honestly thought that every single word of this promo by the kid, I thought it was like, like it was just a perfect promo. Like, you have no idea how much I love this end segment. That, I, I mean, no judge. It's okay. I, I think we do have an, I, I I think think we're have an idea of how much you loved it. And we are absolutely going to get that inside scoop sometime from Eric for all of you. Why don't you give us the inside scoop on when he, they used a word later with Sting and TNA? I don't remember. No, <laughs> I wasn't watching that either. What? I don't remember. Because, I, mean, I don't think I have ever to... asked you something that you didn't know before, ever in because the history TNA, of TNA is After so, TV. like, it blends all together. Uh, I remember Joker Sting. I do remember Joker Sting. I remember I remember Evangelical. I remember Evangelist Evangelist Sting. Steve <laughs> okay. Borden. Evangelist Steve Not Borden essentially. I don't I don't really remember the bird. I, I should don't have... remember the bird at all. Wow. As in the juxtaposition of the, so the you, vulture at Clash of the Champions. If, being if you want to stump so George, memorable. ask me a TNA question. <laughs> I might know, but man, that all that stuff blends together, which I know they're gonna end up covering at some point, right? Two weeks. Yep, I, or three weeks. That's coming up. But uh, Joseph Boza in the live chat makes a very good point. He said, we also have to remember that Eric didn't really care about Clash of Champions anymore with Nitro on TV. Felt like towards the end, he just kind of copped out for these for TBS. And that's true. So th- Thursday Night Thunder is kind of on the horizon begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, WCW doesn't want to do it. Everyone tries to talk Ted out of it. But it is coming down the pipe. And you could definitely see some distraction 
in the, in this pay per view. And right? it makes me upset because Clash of the Champions. Oh, this was the last Clash of the Champions, and like I was a big fan of Clashes. Here I am, some kid with cable can't afford pay per view, obviously. So Clash of the Champions was like the next best thing. Yeah, they used to do it like three, four, five times a year. Now, obviously, with Nitro, they did it twice a year. Sometimes they do it. They do it the day after Nitro. You know, you know, everybody talks about oh, they do Takeover, Raw, SmackDown, the pay per view on the next show. Uh, Nitro did that too. They had Nitro and Clash of the Champions in the very same building mm-hmm. back in the day. And, and I don't know. I always thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, I was always sad. Like, I, I will totally take Clash of the Champions every now and then more than Thunder any day of the week. True. But I also I also think the pay-per-view era we were talking about in the hallway earlier for a different reason, that, like, post-93, 94, like, we entered a pay-per-view era where the fact that you have a big free show doesn't mean as much. Uh-huh. Because they have a big free show every week. So once you have a big free show every week... No one cares about the big free Saturday show, including the people who are putting it on. Well, because I remember they would do it. Um, they would do Clash on the months that there was no pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So I remember they used to do it in January, and then Sold Out came in. They used to do it in August, and then Road Wild came in and whatnot. And so it was like, now they had it every month. Yeah, I mean, I get it. The business evolves, but man, like, I love Clash of the Champions. It was always a, it was always a great event for me that was on free TBS TV. Are you excited for Clash of uh, Clash of Champions? Absolutely not. <laughs> I am. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. I, 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 it's going to actually. It's actually going to be a, big, a, a good card. So wait, that's something that's happening on WWE programming? Yes. Well, it was, I do. Spe- I do Clash remember them bringing this well, up. Well, it was Night of Champions, but then they changed it to Clash of oh, Champions, not Clash Night of the of Champions, Champions like WCW. Right. Clash of Champions, which is funny because they also do Starcade, and they right. do it pretty similar to how Clash of Cha- Clash of the Champions happened, where it was. Right. I mean. Kind of, Starcade's kind of a taped house show in November. Yeah. That's how they've done it the past two years. I'm curious if they're going to do something more now. Because remember, Clash of the Champions was a thing because they wanted to counter-program uh, WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. The first the first Clash mm-hmm. was on the same day as WrestleMania 4. And then they had another one, WrestleMania 5, and a little bit in between. Now with all these Wednesday Night Wars, I wonder if they're going to... Maybe AEW at some point will say something cool. I want to counter-program something. Let's put something on free TV, which I think would be great. Especially like, on... T- oh, if they do it on TBS, that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Full circle, people. Full circle. And the full circle of 83 weeks. It's shaping up pretty good. We mentioned a couple of these, but uh, next week we're covering Arn Anderson. We've been looking forward to that for quite a while. And then we're going to do the Bischoff Goes Home from WCW. That should be juicy. Then Fall Brawl 96. What's the big memorable moment from that, Luger? Uh, Those are the war games. And then Sting comes back, and that's when the the beginning of, of his Crow gimmick. And then uh, Raw from September 22nd. That's the one where Austin stuns Vince and it's the whole thing from Madison Square Garden, right? 97, yeah. Uh, that is happening on the... Th- oh, and then on September 30th, the most requested episode of 83 Weeks Ever, which Conrad is calling Total Nonstop Bischoff, talking about when Eric went to TNA. Obviously, that's going to be good just because, as you mentioned before, we don't know a whole lot about that. We don't remember a lot about <laughs> it. Not a lot of us weren't really watching at the time. So I think there's going to be some uh, major gems mm-hmm. in that one. Not to brag, but someone in Eric's inner circle, who may or may not have hosted a show with him, asked him specifically how he wound up in TNA and how he left TNA, and then he told it on this very show. And then someone, myself, I'll just say it, asked, man, I can't wait for that whole episode. And Eric was like, you watched it, man. That's it. <laughs> that's all we got. That's all. That's that's the whole story. And then here they are. Similar to uh, Collision in Korea was another one where I'm, right. like, where I'm like, yo, there's a story here. And he's like, nah. 
And then they, That's it. And they do a whole episode. And it's like, all right, oh, cool. There is the the chat roll. They're looking forward to Arn. They say Arn is one of his favorites. And uh, Billy cannot wait to hear about when Eric went to TNA. And you guys know we will be right here breaking it all down for you. This is so much fun now that we're live. Uh, I know we've lost Eric and we are planning on hoping to have him back again soon. But in the meantime, we get to go live with you guys and get to share all of your thoughts as well. So that's super fun. And guys, if they want to reach out to you during the week and uh, let you know their thoughts on 83 Weeks or really anything else, where can they hit you up at? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. I am at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I've put a lot of work into starting this Monday at 12 Pacific Time on YouTube.com slash WHW. It will be Ric Flair versus Vader live in the flesh with Tony Schiavone's commentary. And that'll be Monday, noon Pacific, every Monday, hopefully eternally infinity forever. That's awesome. Live matches on of Channel I run. That's so cool. Congratulations. You can follow me on Twitter, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. Yes, I am dressed nice because we're trying out some new programming here on AfterBuzz TV. That's going to be fun, interactive. I want you guys to be involved. I want to hear your guys' opinions, your guys' chat. Uh, Stay tuned to my Twitter, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. And for our Spanish speakers out there, you have something special, Uh, yeah? Si, tengo un programa en español. (laughs) Uh, We're going to cover Monday Night Raw uh, every Monday at uh, 10 p.m. Any Spanish speakers out there, we'd love to hear your opinion. We'd like to hear your feedback. Anybody out in Latin America, it's all for you guys. That is so cool. And you guys know you can always hit me up at Christy Reports. We will be back next week to talk Arn Anderson. Thank you so much. Please join us live. We want to chat with you. Have a great week. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are 